Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Ladig, the handsome dude with the camera in the right-hand corner. I have such smooth skin. I think it's a family trait. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what we're going to talk about today is treasure. And it's something that I have been thinking about for a long time. And uh, there's a lot of different ways of looking at treasure. Like, I don't know how you are, but I, like, I ponder things a lot. And I have a lot of interests, as you well know, and many of you do as well. And it's kind of a cool thing. It's probably why we've all been drawn together to spend time together here on Tuesdays. But in thinking about treasure, one of the things, like my own motivations behind treasure hunting, you know, I just got metal detectors, which is something that I've been fascinated with ever since I was a kid going out with my uncle's metal detector. And um, I've always been very much uh, an Indiana Jones kind of personality, you know, so always looking for the hidden, the unknown, you know, all of that. Uh whether it's ghosts or UFOs or treasure. And uh, I'd love to tell you that I found some pretty awesome treasure, but the reality is I haven't. I mean, I found some things, but, you know, nothing that's going to make the headlines. Um, and then coupled together with that, I've, I'm an obsessive researcher. You know, literally every day of my life, I'm researching something or continuing. It's just how I am, whether it's genealogy or history or the latest software or whatever doesn't matter um i just love it but in pulling back and taking a look at the motivation behind that you know we hear you know people you probably met folks like this who to listen to them talk they talk of you know a life of you know, better days, waiting for their boat to come in, full of money, so to speak. You know, the whole allegory of that. You know, you see people playing the lottery, you know, whether it's scratch-offs or Powerball or whatever, just hoping that they're the one who win the grand prize, the treasure, if you will, so that they can finally get the life of their dreams, whatever that means. Or, you know, the trips to Atlantic City or Vegas playing roulette or blackjack or whatever. Um, or, you know, searching for the fountain of youth or the, you know, the buried treasure of the Nazis or, you know, the city of gold in Mexico. It, it, there's just, history is just full of these stories and the compelling nature of them and why we continue to seemingly be obsessed with treasure. Now, treasure takes on a lot of different forms um, beyond just like bulk piles of gold or silver or, you know, winning a $500 million lottery or something like that. I mean, Treasure can be a lot different. It's different for every one of us. It could be, you know, 
for uh, those of us in the U.S. who love chocolate, it could be scoring European chocolate, you know, because we have friends who live in Europe and they occasionally send us chocolate. That's treasure, let me tell you. <laughs> it could be finding an auction that's selling something that you extremely value, like we have one coming up this Saturday that's selling boxes full of Legos. That's really like a form of treasure. Um, but all treasure has different values, obviously. I mean, if we were to find like the uh, legendary Beale treasure uh, here in the U.S., it's supposedly buried in um, Virginia, uh, we're talking tons of gold and silver. Um, pretty massive treasure. Um, and I've spent time researching that, by the way. Uh, but obviously I didn't find it. But what's equally fascinating to me, beyond the treasure stories, beyond our personal obsessions, beyond, you know, our love of certain things, what compels us? Like, why do we need to find treasure? Is it the thrill of the hunt? You know, the adrenaline rush that we get? Um, I think it could be part of it. Uh, is it that we're unhappy with our current circumstances and we want a better life? I think that could be part of it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, or is it something completely different? You know, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's a thought that I ponder a lot because I, I try to live life in the best possible way I can based on the knowledge that I have. <laughs> We're always learning, right? And there's some things that seems to take time to figure out and we don't understand why or, you know, we don't necessarily understand what motivates us to do certain things or why, you know, both positive and negative. Um, but for me, I'm constantly looking at it like, uh, like we talked about last week, um, those of you who were here, you know, about why we collect certain things. Um, you know, it could be because they were our dads, you know, like my love of trains. Um, and so just using that as the example, one of the things that Kristen and I have been talking a lot about is downsizing our collections. Because, you know, we're basically paying a mortgage every month to store this stuff. So if we're not getting enjoyment out of it, why even hang on to it, right? I mean, that's the question. Do we really need it? Or, you know, or is there something more? Like, I don't want to have my... um like, I don't want to be defined based upon a collection. I want to be defined based on who I am as a person. And so I look at that. So, okay, my dad loved trains. Um, whenever we were a kid, we did a lot of model railroading. Um, later, whenever I discovered photography and uh, he enjoyed it as well, we would go out and photograph trains together a lot. A couple of his photos even made it into the newspaper. And so, as a result, me now as an adult and a person of means, um, I've been able to um, get some really cool model trains and stuff that whenever I was younger, obviously, there's no way I could have had, you know. So, I have standard gauge line all trains and 
different ones like that, and they're cool. Some of them I have specifically because they remind me of my dad, um, because they were his. <laughs> and others I got just because I could. And I got really good deals on them, you know. Whenever you are at an auction and you can buy a $2,000 train for 200 bucks, to me that's a good deal, especially whenever you like that particular style. But a majority of my collection still sets in storage. Some of it's here in my office. And so, you know, in looking at, for me, why do I need to have all those trains? You know, even though I consider them a form of treasure, uh, it's been an interesting exploration um, as far as the motivation. And the easy answer is because I can. You know, and I'm not hurting anyone or anything like that. And it's not like me having standard gauge Lionel trains is going to, you know, impact the hungry children in Nigeria or whatever. Um, so it's not like selfishly motivated or anything like that. It's just because I like them. Um, I guess you could argue that there is money there because there, some of them are somewhat valuable. Um, but I don't care about that. You know, I mean, I could turn them into cash, obviously, and I may, but I'm always, like I said, exploring my motivation. Like why, you know, why is it that some people feel compelled to gamble all the time and others don't like I play the lottery um, occasionally, like usually I won't even touch it until after it's over $200 million. Not like 40 million wouldn't also change my life, <laughs> you know, if it was at 40 million, but like 200 million is when it gets serious because now it could actually do some cool things like, oh, I don't know, build science centers and stuff. But, um, but I'm not compelled. You know, like I could care less if I forget. And even if it's like 500 million and I forget to buy a ticket, I'm not going to get all broken up about it because, you know, A, your odds of winning are like one in seven billion. And B, well, you can't win if you don't play. But I just, I'm not compelled, you know. And what's really interesting is that, you know, I see people daily whenever I'm at, uh, like at a convenience store getting gas or um, next door to the toy box, there's a, I don't know what you would call it, um, a variety variety store maybe, because they sell like wigs and drinks and really random stuff and lottery tickets. They sell lottery tickets, scratch-offs. And I see like the street people of Chambersburg People who really have very little, they're in there every day buying scratch-offs, you know, maybe a dollar or two, thinking that somehow that is their savior, that is their answer. And then, you know, we have other people who, you know, for those of us who grew up in the church, you know, we're told that we shouldn't have treasure here on earth because, you know, it can rust away and be destroyed and all of that, but we should lay up our treasure in heaven. Well, I do agree with the fact that you can't take it with you because we go to auctions every week <laughs> and pick up little treasure goodies 
that come from collections of folks who are no longer among us. But I don't really think that that's an accurate um, depiction of what treasure is either. It's a bit of escapism. And to me, it's a justification for, you know, some people's... Like, I've, I've found and I've met some people who so much want to relate to their beliefs that, you know, they make Jesus poor, so they need to be poor. They, you know, he didn't have much here on the earth, so they say. And so believing in treasure in heaven is easy escapism because there's no responsibility to it. You have to do anything except try to be good. And then somehow, whenever you die, you're going to get treasure and a mansion and all this other cool stuff. And I have a really hard time with that because it encourages people to not take responsibility for their actions now. And so, again, it's a treasure hunt, just different kind of treasure. And so, in some respects, I don't see, like, people who really believe that in an extreme way, I don't see any difference between them and somebody who blows all their money in Vegas. It's the same thing. They're searching for something that they don't currently have. Um, not to say that things won't be different whenever we die. I'm pretty quite positive of that fact. Um, and maybe there will be mansions in gold. I don't really care. That, like that's not my motivation um, for after I'm gone. But I think the bigger issue, like where I am with this right now, and I'm not saying that it's definitively right or anything like that. It's just where I am right now. Um, it could change tomorrow. But in kind of mulling together all of that data input, okay, um, all the different reasons why we might pursue treasure, whether it's here or in the afterlife, I think in some respects comes down to how we view ourselves. There's nothing wrong with looking for buried ships full of treasure. There's nothing wrong with believing that we're going to have a better life in the afterlife. There's nothing wrong with playing the lottery. Nothing wrong with any of it, quite frankly. If you want to, you know, Take your mind lab coin detector out on the weekends and look for old coins. Call me. I'll come join you. I think that'd be a hell of a lot of fun. You get, you know, a tip on where some buried treasure is. Uh, let me know. You know, I'd love to join in on the fun. But at the end of the day, my bigger question is, and the bigger thing that I have to consider is, how do we see ourselves? And what I found is, and more times than not, the underlying reason behind a treasure hunt, whether it's playing the lottery or believing in an amazing afterlife, is a form of escapism because we don't like ourselves. We think we don't see value in ourselves, so we want something better. The ultimate treasure hunt to me is discovering the real me. And I've been doing a lot to that end over the last four or five years. 
um, especially, I mean, more my lifetime, but, um, but especially focused over the last four or five years. We are the treasure. Like, we are the ultimate treasure. You may think you don't have a lot of knowledge or skills or value or whatever, but I would probably beg to differ. And I don't really know any of you in a very personal way. I mean, uh, we've interacted, some of us, face-to-face. There are several that are here today that I've spent time with personally. Um, Honestly, I think it'd be pretty badass to spend time with all of you, but uh, distance (laughs) and situations can prevent that, unfortunately. But what I've realized more and more, and I just see it more and more is that it's us. We are the treasure. We are the ultimate treasure. And unfortunately, most people go to their grave, you know, to get to hang out in their mansion in the sky. Not believing that fact that they have value, that they are the treasure. And even like if you go into scripture, you know, even Jesus kind of alludes to that. You know, he says the kingdom of heaven is within you. And he talked a lot about how the kingdom of heaven is the treasure. And so, you know, it's pretty easy to see. And it, and it isn't like, you know, many Jesus is living inside us or anything like that. <laughs> it's not that at all. We are the kingdom of heaven, each of us independently and together collectively whether you believe in christianity or not i think you'll agree that there's something beyond us there's a higher something that we are plugged into this amazing whatever it is call it divine soul call it um you know source energy and call it whatever you want call it god call it the holy spirit whatever But yet, somehow, we're just worms here on the planet trying to get by. And, you know, one thing that Chris and I talk about every so often, it comes up in conversation, um, more like as a reaction and an example. Um, Because, you know, she is a preacher's kid. She grew up in the church. And I wasn't a preacher's kid, but I also grew up in the church very much so. And it's like, you know, if you do something wrong, it's the devil. The devil made me do it, you know. You do something right, God gets the glory. So, like, we get to take credit for, you know, all the bad things that we do. But God gets the credit for all the good things that we do. Like, how is that even fair? Um. To me, that's why I choose to believe in cause and effect. You know, it's not subjective. You do one thing and you get a result. But I don't believe we're inherently evil or good. You know, we just are. Uh, And if I had to pick a choice, I would say, if anything, we're inherently good. Um, Think about a baby that's born, you know. 
they may become something evil or something amazing. But whenever you're looking at that little infant, you know, which, you know, I have a, you know, grandbaby number five on the way now. And come fall, um, here's this little treasure that's going to exist and I'm going to be able to hold in my hands. And whether it's a boy or girl, doesn't really matter to me. Although I seem to like little girls just because I had daughters and my brain and shopping patterns are very much in the buy it for the little girls. I mean, I being a guy, I actually had a hard time um, buying stuff for my grandsons. It's kind of weird, you know. I mean, they're starting to get older and so now there's some common interests that we can have. But when Maya came along, holy cow. I mean, it's like, I got this. You know, I raised two daughters, so this is going to be fun and easy. And then the boys came along and it's like, wow, this is so different and weird. And then Lily came along and it's like, oh, right. Okay, I got this again. So it's just kind of a weird, funny thing. But here's this little treasure that, you know, is going to be born. And the responsibility of shaping that treasure into something awesome and amazing, like there's deposits. It's kind of like, not that I see my grandchild as a uh, as similar to an acorn, but it's like that. You know, you look at an acorn, you can hold it in your hand. And if you have an oak tree, you likely have thousands of acorns. But you hold this acorn in your hand, and literally in that acorn is all the treasure necessary to create an oak tree. But if you don't plant it in the ground, it's never going to happen. And so it's just a seed, um, just like is what is within each of us. We were all infants at one time, as far as I know. And uh, so within, you know, grandbaby number five is going to be all the information necessary to become all that he or she could be. And, you know, it's her mom and dad's responsibility. It's her grandparents' responsibility to help identify that, shape it, and mold it. So, you know, certainly uh, cultural input has an influence. Uh, social input has an influence. Um, you know, so many different things, even what they eat, what they're taught, what they view on television or anything. It all inputs into creating and developing this treasure and the kind of treasure it's going to be. Same with us. You know, we are the result of all the data input that we've received over the course of our lives. You know, the 50, 60, whatever years that we've been around. But even if a lot of our life um, sucked, for a better way of saying, lack of a better way of saying it, let's say that our lives sucked and there was a lot of abuse, or maybe we were the result of, you know, rape or we were unwanted or whatever. Does that somehow negate the fact that there isn't still a treasure buried in us? Not at all. If anything, it kind of puts an exclamation point on the fact. Like, to me, why did life work so hard to push down what's inside us? If anything, that's all the more reason to discover it. You know, who we really are, what we're really capable of. And... So I think from an observer perspective, from a researcher perspective, that that's what's really going on. 
whenever you see people who are compelled to gamble. I mean, it's a habit. You can really get addicted to it. Whenever you see people who have any kind of addiction, really, I, I would imagine, they're trying to fill an empty hole, as the church would say. A hole that only Jesus can fill. So we're told. That may or may not be true. Um, it Ultimately, it comes down to what you choose to believe, in that, and I have no problem with it either way. Um, because ultimately... I believe what we're truly after is the best version of ourselves, And so along that line, uh, believing in a redeemer, believing in a higher power perfectly aligns with becoming the best version of ourselves. Perfectly aligns. Um, I don't think we could effectively deny spirituality and be the best that we can be because we're spiritual people. I mean, that's just fact, regardless of what you believe we are spiritual people. <clears throat> so our goal, our treasure quest is to really find ourselves and not just find ourselves, but love ourselves for who we are. And you know, the argument can be made well, there's not much there to love. That's a conditioned response based on input that you got from life that might have been bad input. Garbage in, garbage out. Um, the fact that you're a living being makes you a treasure. Maybe you haven't accomplished great things in your life and you blame yourself or blame other people. It's not an issue of blame. It's an issue of choice because today is a new day. History is gone. Like everything that happened yesterday is gone. We might feel the impact of it, um, most likely, but you can't really change it. You can change how you view it, but you can't change it. It's water under the bridge. And so um, you might feel like, well, I'm never going to amount to anything. Why choose to believe that? You know, like really, why choose to believe that tomorrow? You know, here we are today. We're in Tuesday, 2019, January, what, 29. Um, tomorrow, January 29, 2019 won't matter. And it'll be a new day. We get to make new choices. And literally, we could make a simple decision of, you know what, I'm awesome. And I'm not 100% sure why I'm on this planet, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to live it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to discover this treasure in, treasure in me and I'm going to let the world see. To me, that's not prideful. It's not narcissistic. It's nothing like that at all. It's just us stepping into the possibility of who we are, which is treasure. And so I think people, maybe they've believed the lie. Maybe they believe that they are worthless or they've come to the conclusion that they're worthless. And so somehow if they win the lottery, if they, you know, discovered the buried treasure, um, you know, the, the uh, gold cash, 
um, that's buried on the ship that sunk 150 feet off of the coast of Florida or whatever. You know, they find that that now all of a sudden somehow their life will have meaning and that it'll prove that they have value. You don't need proof. None of those things will prove it. That's why a lot of people who win the lottery go broke again. It's not because they didn't learn how to manage money. It's because they don't have respect for themselves. And so there isn't anything that that proves that we're treasure other than the fact that we exist. The fact that we exist means that we're treasure. We're here on this planet for a reason. Doesn't matter how you got here. You're here. You know, I shared before that, you know, one of the crazy discoveries I made in my own family genealogy is that for my dad to get on this planet and ultimately me to get on this planet, his mother, my dad's mom, was the result of a rape. My dad's dad was the result of a rape. Those two products of rapes, my grandfather and my grandmother came together in a rape scenario that resulted in my dad. Now, I was conceived in wedlock. Mom and dad were married about a month or two before, um, before she got the news, <laughs> so to speak. But think about that. Here are these acts, these violent acts. Three of them had to happen for my dad to come on the scene. He never got past it. You know, I mean, he was a, he was a great guy. Um, very quiet. Uh, so definitely not a people person. But he was always haunted by the ghosts of what if. And why am I here? And was I wanted? Because he was convinced that he wasn't. And so as a result, I mean... You know, he made some positive contributions to society, but I certainly don't think that he became all that he could have become uh, because he was constantly looking backwards. And uh, it's interesting now to me, like somebody who grows up like that obviously has an influence on their children. And so I feel, have felt, I'll put it that way. I have felt the um, the end result of his personal beliefs that he was worthless and that he was unwanted and all of that. Um, because you can't <laughs> you can't not be around somebody like that daily and have an impact. It have an impact on you. Same with children who grew up, you know, with parents who are alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever. It it affects you but ultimately it's our choice to choose to allow it to continue to affect us it's our choice to allow that to limit us and you know it, it's funny thought that just popped into my head and Kristen could probably hear me because she's just in the next room but um i would say this is probably the case with many pks how, how they um, will often act out you know and you would think, oh, how marvelous. You got to grow up in the home of the pastor and years and years of just 
constantly being in the church and how glorious that would be. It isn't glorious, folks. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. Because you, get, if anything, growing up in the church like that, you see a whole lot more of the hypocrisy than what your average Sunday attendee does. And it's not that they're trying to be hypocrites. They're just trying to figure this shit out like everybody else. You know? Like, pastors or worship leaders or whatever, they're no more special than the rest of us. If anything, they have more pressure on them. And I'm not saying that they're bad. That's certainly not the case. But they're human, just like you and I. They're just trying to figure out who the hell they are and why they're here on the planet with the best knowledge that they have. And so it's tough to grow up in that scenario, especially as a child, you know, because of expectations. And the expectations are ridiculous in most of them. Well, you're a pastor's daughter. You should know better, you know. Your dad runs sound and your mother's a Sunday school teacher. You should know better. How dare you act out? And then I'm sitting there as a teenager asking, why are the deacons of our church rededicating their lives every week? Like, are they really sinning that much <laughs> that they need to do that? Like, it makes zero sense to me. It, it never has, even as a kid. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. And so in all those scenarios, this quest for treasure whether it's in heaven or buried in the ground or at next week's auction. The treasure isn't there. That's the reality of it. Unless you show up, then it's there. And so, you know, just using the auction as the example, there's going to be probably a couple hundred people there looking to get that next big deal. They're selling some gold dollar or some silver dollars and I've started collecting silver. So I'm going to be looking at those. I've got Legos and all kinds of stuff, all treasure, not even realizing that the best treasure of all is in themselves. So it's something to think about, right? Something to really consider. Because it doesn't matter how worthless you think you are. doesn't matter how unskilled you think you are. Or, honestly, doesn't matter how freaking awesome you think you are. At the end of the day, when you get right down to it, the treasure is the treasure. It's a level playing field for every single person. The big difference between you and I, average normal people, Versus people living on the street versus the heads of state is that we've devised our own methods in how to live our lives in a way that fills that need to discover our own treasure or the denial that that treasure exists. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. And what I've also found is that the more an individual discovers about themselves and that treasure that's within and embraces it, the more people are drawn to them in many cases. Um, but that doesn't make them any more special than the rest of us because we have that same treasure within each of us. And so 
I think it's important to understand that it's important to understand our underlying motivations for whatever, not in an effort to get rid of them. Okay. But just in an under, uh, to gain an understanding into why, you know, I'm not about to give up, you know, coin detecting or metal detecting or whatever. I'm not about to give up doing research. You know, if you want to get into real buried treasure and, and treasure caches and lost gold and all that kind of stuff, 90% of that search is research, you know, and boots on the ground is like 10%, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So, and I'm, I'm in a couple research projects right now related to that. It's fascinating as hell. I mean, just crazy. Some of the things that I'm figuring out how to, you know, like how to read the clues, so to speak, is fascinating. And I'm not going to give that up. But I'm also discovering more and more every day what Tony Treasure looks like. You know? And I think, like, I, I don't know that I can make this statement across the board for everybody. But for me, like, the more treasure I discover within, the more I want to give it away. The more I want to share it. Whether it's words of wisdom, whether it's laughter, whether it's, you know, the latest research strategies, whether it's the brand new software that just came out. Like, to me, all of that, um, and in sharing that, it's just a reflection of my treasure within. So the courses that I create reflect my treasure. The uh, products that I create that are not trainings, you know, like so mugs, t-shirts, whatever, is a reflection of my treasure. And that's going to be different. The hobbies and interests that I have are a reflection of my personal treasure. There's some of you who really have no desire whatsoever to collect rocks and minerals or fossils or whatever. Like, it's just not your gig. And I get that. But for me, and for a few others that are on today's, you know, live discussion, um, we're like, oh my God, look at that new opal, you know, or whatever. You know, I just found a fossil of XYZ. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating to us because it connects somehow to our treasure within. Which, for those of you who do like rocks and minerals, there's been this image floating around on Facebook through amazing genealogists, I think, of this Australian opal. My gosh, I've never seen a rock like this ever. I mean, it is crazy cool. If you like amazing rocks and minerals, you got to look that one up. you got to find it. It's cool. Um, but anyway, I think it's amazing genealogists that shared it. Um, so, my challenge to you is that... I'd love to see you embrace more and more of the treasure within, you know, the treasure that is you. All of us have to a certain level and some more so than others. It's not a race. It's not a competition. It doesn't mean that somebody who's embraced more of their inner treasure is better than somebody who has embraced less. It isn't like that at all. 
if anything, our job as human beings should be to encourage each other to embrace who we truly are as people. Like that should be the quest, the ultimate quest is to encourage one another to embrace who we are um, and nothing more. And it's like, oh, well, you know, look at them. I encourage them and come to find out that, you know, they're actually brilliant at drawing real life looking uh, pictures, you know, just by looking at somebody and they can draw it and it looks like a photograph. I've always wanted to do that and I can't. And then we start comparing ourselves. You know, this isn't a comparison, folks. You know, compare it. It isn't about comparison at all. Well, mine is bigger than yours. <laughs> you know, to whatever that might apply. Doesn't matter. You know, we got to get out of the comparison game. We've got to get out of the blame-shifting game. We've got to get out of the la-la-land game and living, you know, with our life, our head in the clouds or in the sand and start embracing who we are, you know? And so whenever you start looking at people that way, all of a sudden... The Dalai Lama is really no different than Trump, is really no different than Hillary Clinton or anybody else or some no-name person who's living in the ghettos in L.A. There's no difference. Their actions may be different. How they view things, what they do may be different. There are some people who do really evil things in this planet. There's no doubt about it. And there's other people who do really good things. But at the heart of who they are, there is a treasure. Maybe they've chosen to completely ignore it. Maybe they've chosen to manipulate it in a way that turns them into narcissists or helps them to get to what they believe is the end result. You know, like I read stories about people who do you know, human sacrifice or sacrificing babies in the name of living life longer or whatever. And it's like, the hell's wrong with you people, you know? But even them, they're looking for what? Treasure. Not realizing that it's within them. They're trying to get it through manipulated means, through external means, through really seriously demented means, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, I have to believe that the treasure is them, you know, and if you strip away all the influence, strip away all of the crazy, um, and everything else, there's good in them. There's something special in them. Now it's not to say that we can't get whacked in the head and, you know, something snaps and we go insane, but even that, you know, like a criminally insane person, say Charles Manson. Um, whenever you read those stories, they still loved. You know, there was still a nugget in there. Maybe the uh, oak tree didn't grow in the right way. You know, maybe it got deformed and all that kind of stuff. And 
produce the wrong kind of acorns, rotten ones. But still, to me, at the end of the day, I have to believe that because they were here on this planet, even though it appeared that their entire life was defined by the evil that they did, that there was still treasure in there. And so our job isn't to judge them. Our job is to look at ourselves and not even judge ourselves because we tend to be really harsh on ourselves. Our job is to, A, acknowledge the fact that that treasure is there. B, do everything that we can to discover it. It's like the ultimate treasure hunt. And it's free. It's not going to cost you anything other than some beliefs, perhaps. Um, some old habits, perhaps. Um, some faulty mental wiring, perhaps. But why would you want to hang on to that stuff anyway? Like, why do we need the baggage? We all have it. But why do we need it? Right? So to me, the ultimate treasure hunt is to really discover who we are and then live that. It's like, wow, you know what? The real is is pretty freaking awesome. You know, the real Tim is amazing. Just incredible. And every one of you, your treasure that defines who you are is different from my treasure. You know, and you can't take my treasure any more than I can take yours. I mean, even if I took your life, which obviously I wouldn't, but even if I took your life, guess what? It doesn't take your treasure. You know, it removes your ability to share it with others, certainly, but it doesn't take it. Now, I can share my treasure with you like I do in my courses and all of that or in art, right? And we become richer as a result of receiving that. And so I, I'm a hundred percent believer in sharing our treasure. I mean, that's part of the reason why we want to discover it. Right. But the cool thing about that is, is that you cannot ever run out. You know, you're not ever going to run out. It's like, Oh damn it. I thought I had all this great treasure to share. And you know, I've given it away to thousands of people and I'm, I'm empty now. I have nothing left. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry you missed out. Sucks to be you. It's not like that. You know, we can never outgive ourselves. When we truly tap into that treasure, we can never outgive it. it. We just, we never ever run out. But we can take more in of other people. You know, my life is incredibly enriched. Courtesy of the people around me, courtesy of my customers, uh, my friends, my family, all of that. because. I'm receiving from them, you know, it might just be the little bit of the littlest thing, you know, like this is exactly what I needed to hear right now. Thank you so much for sharing it. Nice little treasure exchange there. I shared some treasure. They shared some treasure back. So treasure share, sharing our treasure is nothing more than loving one another. You know, the ultimate loving your others as you love yourself 
problem is that a lot of people hated themselves. <laughs> you know, they didn't realize that there's this buried treasure. All they need to do is lift up that old rusty, crappy looking blanket and they would see gold inside. You know, it's like, oh, I have nothing in here because I looked and nothing here but a bunch of crap. Why don't you push the crap away a little bit? And you might be surprised at what you discover. And, uh, huh, never thought about this before. I just had a picture pop into my mind. So, years ago, probably, let's see, where are we? Probably a solid 20 years ago, maybe even a little more. I had this dream, and I think I shared it before where I was in this field and there were these little nuggets all over the field and people were running around and trying to break them off and, and everything. And it was like a form of treasure. And um, I was looking at it and I saw that it was really limited and that, you know, I mean, there were people like in a frenzy, just, I mean, there were like these little clumps that were sticking up above the ground and they were maybe five or six inches high, it looked like in the dream. And they were like taking hammers and knocking them off and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm looking at all of this and um, this voice, call it my higher self, call it God, doesn't really matter. Um said, there's much more here than what you see. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And the voice told me to go find water and pour it on one of these nuggets until the dirt around it became mud that I could dig because the ground was very dry. So somewhere, I have no idea where, I found water. <laughs> like I had this basin of water or bucket or something. I don't remember what it was now. And I started pouring it around this one nugget that I had found. And um, there weren't many left sticking above the ground that I saw. But I found this one and I claimed it, you know, as mine. And so I started pouring the water around this nugget. And the, the dirt became mud and everything, um, obviously. And so then I was told that I needed to start digging away the mud from around this nugget that I saw. So I started digging away the, the mud and the pile was getting bigger and I was digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And what I realized was that the nugget that I had found, even though it was like big enough that it would fit in my entire hand, was actually just a very small tip of a much larger nugget, kind of like an iceberg, right? And so I kept digging and digging, and finally I got to the bottom of this nugget and pulled it up out of the hole, and it was this nugget, like a gem or gold or something. It kind of looked like a potato, sort of. <laughs> Except that it was huge. I mean, it was like, like I was, I remember in the dream or vision or whatever it was, 
probably vision because I still remember it as if I had it last night. Um, but I remember sitting on the ground and I'm holding this thing in my arms and it was like maybe three and a half feet long or so and probably as big around as like, uh, gosh, I don't even know. Um, like a tire, like that much around. I mean, this thing was massive and it was heavy. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm holding it. And uh, the voice said to me, you found treasure. And I said, I did. And I was holding it in my arms. And he said, is there any doubt that that treasure is yours? I'm like, no. No, because I can feel it. Like it, it was in my arms. Then why do you question that you actually have treasure? I don't know why I didn't think about this before now. Why do you question that you have treasure? Like, I don't know. Because it's real. And uh, then the voice came to me. And it's like, I want you to see something. Put your treasure down for a minute and stand up. So I did. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to open up your eyes and I want you to look around. And so I started looking around and initially all that I saw was pretty much just like barren ground. Like as far as you could see, there was nothing there. And then it was like I got x-ray vision. And I could see into the ground. And in the ground was all of these massive treasures. And what I realized had happened was people in their greed just took what they could grab, which was the surface, knocked it off and ran. It never occurred to them that there was more under the ground, that if they just took a little bit of time and dug, they would have discovered something much bigger. What I'm realizing now, today, in light of what we've been talking about, is that all of those buried treasures that were there were people. It was their personal treasure. And that the surface part that was knocked off was just the superficial part of themselves. It wasn't the real treasure. It was the show. It was, you know, the little bit that they allow people around them to see. When in reality, there was so much more to them, so much more treasure there. And it was buried. It's all buried. Except that there I was sitting and I could see it all. And I remember, and an important thing about vision is that very often, more times than not, you don't have the proper context to interpret it in the moment. Okay. Sometimes it can take years and it's been over 30 years or 20 years. It was probably in the late nineties whenever I had this. So however long that is 20 years. Um, so I remember in this experience, trying to find more water so I could dig up more of these treasures. Like it until today, it never occurred to me that 
that they represented people. Although I guess that could be an easy conclusion, but still, um, I didn't know what it represented. You know, I mean, I guess I thought that some of it was our treasure within, but it just never fully engaged in my brain until today. Um, but anyways, so the vision or dream ended with me digging up these other treasures. And so perhaps today represents a part of that. What I've shared today represents a part of me being that treasure hunter in that vision. I don't know. But what I would like to encourage you with is that, uh, you know, who are you really? This is a topic that I know I bounce around a lot. And the reason why is because I, I feel that it's extremely important. The worst thing that could ever happen is for us to take our treasure with us when we die, never having shared it with those around us. I mean, yes, we're eternal beings. Yes, we'll likely come back here or another planet or somewhere. But why wait? <laughs> you know? Why not just go for it now? Um, because I might need some of your treasure. You may have the perfect word that I need at the perfect moment. Maybe it's just an encouragement. Maybe it's just an appreciation. Maybe it's an insight or a strategy that helps fire up something I never considered before. Maybe there's a story that I know I'm supposed to write, but there's a piece that's missing and it's missing because it's part of your treasure. And the moment you share it with me, it becomes the catalyst to reveal that to the world. Like, because we're all interconnected, you know, we're all part of each other, even though we have our own individual treasures, there's still a connection there. And so maybe again, just talking off of the pictures that's popping into my head, Maybe our individual treasures all represent crazy, valuable puzzle pieces that as we interact with each other and see how those puzzle pieces all fit together, we create a much bigger treasure, you know, an ascended version of humanity, perhaps, who knows, but all I know is, is that it's something pretty crazy to ponder and pretty darn interesting. And, uh, I can't speak for the rest of you, but I, for me, I'm probably going to be obsessed with it the rest of my life just to figure it all out. And, you know, there's, I will say this cause I can say it from personal experience. There are some treasure pieces in yourself that you're going to discover or that you know that's there that's going to scare the hell out of you because we've been so conditioned to doubt ourselves and to doubt what we can truly accomplish that you know the idea of us being a fiction writer or a painter of masterpieces or 
a sculptor, even though we've never sculpted before, or, you know, a U.S. senator or whatever, or fill in the blank, you know, first person to walk on Europa, you know. Um, like the idea of that or an invention or something, the idea of stepping into that is just scary because what if we fail? What if we end up looking stupid? So we don't, we don't do it. And honestly, speaking to myself as well, you're robbing the people around you. You know, by not sharing your treasure and who you are as a person, who you truly are, by hiding that light under a bushel, so to speak, um, you're robbing people around you, your family, your friends, the world, you know, just by holding it back. So I guess for me, my challenge to you today is to stop holding back, to embrace it. That's my challenge to myself. My word for the year is finish. And I'm pretty sure that that doesn't mean like dying. <laughs> you know, it just felt, you know, that there's some things that I want to finish and there's some new things that I want to start. Um, and what we start, you know, it's usually kind of good to finish. Um, and so whatever that looks like, and that's me. Uh, Kristen's path is quite different right now, but it's kind of cool to watch her on this discovery journey that she's been on over the last several months. It's been really fun to watch and to encourage and embrace and all of that. Uh, and the same is true for all of us. We all have that, provided that we actually embrace it. You know? So, anyhow. It's uh, 10 after 11. It's 11, 11 now. One, 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 one. What does it mean? You know? <laughs> So it seems like a perfect time, given that it's 11-11, and I have this weird fascination about 11, um, to go through comments and questions, and then we'll wrap things up for this week. Uh, Liz, your comment about um, XRO Media Show and trying to find stuff in that that's that's definitely a part of um, my thought process of being able to find things. Kristen and I had a lot of dialogue about that over the weekend on how to how it could work, and ultimately, it has to be built into a database, a searchable database somehow. But I I need to have a conversation with a friend of mine who's an expert at that to see how that could work, um, because I have some very specific ways I want to see that manifest that would be beneficial to you guys. Like for instance, if you wanted to learn about, you know, whatever keyword, you know, it's like, I know Tony taught something on X. So you do a search for, you know, designing mugs just to pick something really general. You type in designing mugs and hit enter. And then all these um, references come out with a link to the module of the course that it's in or whatever like that's my goal um 
how long it's going to take to develop that or if it's even 100% possible. I'm not sure, but I'm suspicious that it is. Like, I suspect that it is possible, but we'll see. Uh, Tim says, uh, create a museum for your collections. Yeah, uh, we have actually had that conversation uh, a couple times. We've talked about creating museums. Um, I mean, we do want to do the Science Center, but I think we're probably going to end up just liquidating all of it. Should be a hell of an auction. Um, but we'll see. William says, ah, the proverbial need versus want question. You don't need your collections, but do you want them? If you want them, but can't display them all, then rotate them periodically through your office, deciding which item to display will add to your savoring and uh, that you have the piece and the story behind your acquiring it. Yeah, and that's actually what we do. Um, Kristen's better at it than I am at rotating. I tend to just introduce more. <laughs> so, but um, you bring up a really good point, and I, I appreciate you saying it because it didn't occur to me whenever I was talking. Um, the story behind something is as much a treasure as the thing itself, isn't it? Uh, and in some time, in some cases even more valuable. Like one of our customers, both Kristen's and my customers, um, is an uh, older gentleman. I don't know if he's here today or not, but um, he loves rocks and minerals, <laughs> probably more than we do, uh, which is awesome. And he lives out in the Midwest. And um, occasionally, like there's a training that I'll come out with or Kristen will come out with, and I'll get a Facebook message from him and say, hey, I have... Uh, I have these agates and this petrified wood and something, and he sends pictures like, would you be interested in trading um, these rocks for your access to your training? And I'm like, hell yeah, back that stuff up and send her over. <laughs> and so he's fed our rock collection for a couple of years now, off and on. And uh, it's been awesome. But what's really cool about it is that um, many of what he shares he found personally him and his wife. And uh, so he writes a story behind it, how he found it, where the history of the area, you know, whatever. And the stories are as awesome as the rocks. I mean, it's just super cool to read those stories and we really value them and it's, it's cool. And so we still have all the stories. We still have all the rocks. Some of like the ones that I've gotten, I have literally sitting right next to my bed um, just because they're, pretty badass. Um, but yeah, I agree. And I appreciate you mentioning that because the story really is powerful. Um, our own story is powerful, but even the story of discovery, you know, uh, can encourage other people. Um, I remember going back years ago, whenever my, uh, my dad passed and the ensuing months, the, it was a very crazy, interesting time that I never want to live through again. Cause you know, I lost like four family members in the space of just a few weeks and, uh, it sucked to say the very least, but in me telling my story of that experience, it actually encouraged a lot of people who was struggling with grief themselves or 
something similar and was having a hard time getting past it. And so it just kind of showcases how those stories can really make a difference in people. And speaking of that, by the way, this coming Saturday is the 10th anniversary of my dad's passing. It's hard to believe that it's been 10 years, honestly, but, um, you know, I still miss him just like many of us would miss our, you know, our, our parent, not all of us, obviously, especially if our parents were abusive, but, um, you know, I still miss him and there's qualities that I see in myself that are a direct result of him and some negatives that I see in myself that are a direct result of him. But I'm not him. You know, that's the important thing. I'm me. And so in discovering me and embracing the positive stories that I have as a result of him, like getting to meet a lot of the old time gospel singers and country music singers like Johnny Cash and Loretta Lynn and you know, the Happy Goodman family and a lot of those kind of folks, you know, I got to meet all of them because of him, because of being a sound engineer and everything. And there's a lot of great stories around uh, hanging out with those folks whenever I was a kid. And so, you know, so it's the stories that we embrace, right? Uh, Liz says, uh, what a beautiful message, Tony. Can't wait for the replay as I'm doing school now. We are the treasure. See, uh, Kristen and I over the weekend finally got a chance to go see Bohemian Rhapsody, which was, you know, about the the band Queen. And maybe they had it wrong. They, you know, their song, We Are the Champions, maybe it should have been We Are the Treasure. Maybe not as powerful, who knows. <laughs> Now I'm going to hear that all day in my head. Uh, Lori says, you'll never amount to anything. That's all I heard when I grew up. It took me years to get past that. Still struggle as I still don't allow myself to be successful. I always stop short of completion. Well, and the good news, Lori, is that you can change it. You know, just by saying, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm done with allowing that story, that, you know, negative influence to control me. Like, control only happens to us when we give it power. You know, we remove the power to something that's controlled a large portion of our lives and give that power to something else that's positive and uplifting um, it can change everything pretty quickly, you know? Um, so I would like to encourage you and everyone else who's heard that, you know, like mine wasn't that growing up. The one that I got all the time was, well, that's good, but you can do better. And it was seen as an encouragement, but it, I took it as a negative. And, uh, you know, what I have to say about that is that both are a lie, you know, sure. I guess I could do better, obviously, but that's not a defining statement of who I am as a person. You know, if anything, it's a projection of whoever said it and their own 
um, their own lack that they saw in themselves. Because if you do better than them, then what does that mean about them? Right? So anyway, I'm not sure I thought about that one before either. Liz says, how to read the clues reminds me of puzzles. It, it is like a puzzle, honestly. Um, and Liz also says, uh, regarding your comment about sharing our treasures, what a great mindset for changing, changing the perspective of pushing, moving towards getting stuff done. For example, rather than say, oh man, I should do that blog entry today, which drags you down, say, Today's the day I want to share my thoughts about XYZ and my blog with others. It's a 180 degree turn in perspective uh, that changes energy, changes outlook, helps others, and is probably a better way to get things done because it's easier. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um. And Liz says, uh, you digging up those treasures, people you were talking about in your dream, could that be that you are helping us to discover the treasures that lie within us? I believe so, absolutely. And not just like an ethereal, you are amazing and awesome. You know, it's not like that as much as, you know, really stepping into the potential that we all have, you know. I mean, there could be great directors, great artists, great anything, whatever, uh, within you that hasn't really come to light yet. You know, I know there's stuff in me that hasn't come out yet. Um, and I'm really curious. That's why, like, for me personally, I needed a mental shift to get to it rather than make excuses for why I haven't come up with motivators for why I should why I need to. And a couple of you can definitely relate to, um, based on your comments here, of um, struggling with fear. You know, what if you fail? All of that. You know, my question is, what if you don't? Well, then you don't, I've never been successful before. So then I wouldn't know what to do. You know, I mean, fear of success, fear of failure, it's all as real as we give it energy. You know? So why not, instead of giving energy to fear, why not give energy to success? And if it doesn't work out the way you expected, who cares? Consider it an experiment. Next. Try again. Kathleen says, or you could use stuff from your collections to theme and decorate a business, such as an ice cream store, cafe, railroad cafe, or ice cream caboose, space station, coffee shop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, a lot of um, the decor that we have in our stores is the result of that. Like, most people don't normally have 10 life-size dinosaurs, <laughs> you know? 
you kind of got to do something with them. Although we have one in storage still, and we've been debating what to do with it, and we may actually try to sell it because uh, it's big. Um, it's a Euroraptor or Eoraptor. No, wait, what is it? I have to think about it for a second. I guess it's an Eoraptor because they, they have these big things on their head and they're feathery and then they sit on like a, like the one we have is sitting on a nest guarding eggs. And I mean, it's kind of cool. It needs to be reconditioned a little bit and we just haven't found the time to do that or made the time, but um, it's too big for our stores. It won't fit in there. Um, it just takes up too much space. So, but I mean, we've definitely done that. Um, and I don't really need an excuse to start more businesses right now. I, I guess it wouldn't have to be our business that we decorate, but still. Tony says, Bohemian Rhapsody was not about Queen. It was just about Freddie's journey. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought overall um, it was really well done, you know, just the way they portrayed how it all played out. Because, I mean, most of us here are of the age that we remember when those events played out in real time. You know, so uh, I certainly do. Like Live Aid and all that kind of stuff. And even when their, their albums were released, like I remember all of that as well. <laughs> Colleen says you could call it Whistle Stop Cafe and serve frying, fried green tomatoes. You know, I just had those for the first time a couple years ago. Um, I was visiting a buddy of mine in Kentucky, a um, really good friend, and uh, we were out at Kentucky Lake hanging out, and we were getting kind of hungry, and he's like, i got to take you to this place. You're going to love it. So we, we walk into this restaurant, like a hole in the wall, I think it probably could seat maybe 15 people total. And every square inch of the wall was covered with something. And a lot of those somethings were like, um, like animal mounts and stuff, you know, like elks with their horns and all kinds. It was very, I think eclectic would be a kind word. It was def definitely different. And he's like, what are you hungry for? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I said, I want something traditional South. And, uh, but you know, this place better than I do. So I let him order for me. And so he ordered me like pan seared catfish and fried green tomatoes and some kind of coleslaw that I had never heard of before. And it was like all stuff that I would never order ever <laughs> normally. And I have to be honest with you, it was like one of the best meals I've ever had. I absolutely loved everything. It was so good, including the tomatoes. Like, I didn't think I'd go for those, but man, were they so good. Holy cow. Haven't had them since then, actually, but it was good. Uh, Lori asked, have you uploaded the missing episodes on SoundCloud? Not yet. Um... But my plan is to get everything updated, hopefully by the end of the week. It's been a busy time lately. Um, 
Not that that's an excuse, but life is pretty busy. Um, Liz says, thanks for another awesome time together. You're very welcome. Yes, Liz, 10 life-size dinosaurs. And fortunately, most of the ones that we have are smaller. So it makes it kind of easy to put them in the store. I think um, uh, Phil, <laughs> uh, which is a Deinonychus, he's about nine and a half foot long. So he's the biggest of the group. And maybe about five and a half, six feet to the top of his head. Um, so we don't have like, you know, the really, really big ones like life-size T-Rex or something like that. Although I want them, I just don't have any place to put them. <laughs> That's the problem. Chris says, love that today, sadly, I have no excuse for a metal detector now. Dude, you can still go treasure hunting. Um, I'm not getting rid of my detectors. There's nothing wrong with those things. That's part of my point. Just understanding that the ultimate treasure hunt is within us. So thank you very much for your insights and input. I always appreciate it. It just makes our time together better. Um, and uh, so I hope you all have a great week this week. And until next week, enjoy yourselves. Have fun. Go treasure hunting. <laughs> and we'll talk again soon.